Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. So thank you guys for coming. As Nathan had mentioned, as you saw on the Instagram, we are going to start a new series tonight called Hot Topics. Um, now, if you guys don't know, what a hot topic basically is, is when culture disagrees with what something the Bible says. And um, we were talking, and we were like, maybe we shouldn't do this, maybe it would be difficult. Um, but I think it will be difficult, but I think it's very important that we have a sermon series like this, um, which kind of analyzes what the culture says as opposed to what the Bible says. Um, and now listen, a hot topic design changes over time, right? So the Bible says a lot of things are wrong. The Bible says lying's wrong, stealing's wrong, murdering's wrong. And as a culture, we agree with that, right? I mean, by and large, the culture's not like, hey, go and murder your friend for some extra credit. You know, that's not something that's going on. But what is happening, let's say I would go to ancient Assyria. Maybe murder would be a hot topic over there because what? That was all their culture did. Um, and so a hot topic is only a thing that happens when a culture disagrees with what something the Bible says. Um, and what about America? Like I said, we agree with stuff like that, but w- are there hot topics in America? Yeah. We might not agree with what the uh, Bible says about sexual morality or idolatry or things like that. Um, but there's a point that I want to say to you about the hot topics, and we're going to be running the series for about four weeks. Um, there's a point I want to say to you that's going to make this whole thing a lot easier. Sin is not the way it's supposed to be. And uh, thank God for Alvin Plattinger because I read his book and he's talking about sin and that was one of his big phrases about creation. But sin is not the way it's supposed to be. So as all the girls have noticed and none of the guys have, my shirt's on inside out, right? Yeah, like that there? This is an express shirt. Yeah, it's a new fashion statement actually. But what's happening is what? I'm wearing a shirt. It's not designed the way it's supposed to be. Why? Because shirts are designed to be worn the right way. And I wanted to do this illustration, which is going to harm me a lot more than it's going to harm you for a couple reasons. I went to the king of fast food places today, out of hands tied. Now I'm going to show you how to eat these correctly. Gosh, I hate barbecue. Everyone's like, what the heck is he doing? Now, if you were one of those people who enjoyed this restaurant, what you would do is you'd get your fry, and you would pop, 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 pop it in here, and then you would eat it, right? That's good. What you wouldn't do is you wouldn't take your fry, put it to the sauce, and then over your shirt like this, right? Would you? No? That's disgusting. Gosh, this is horrible. Um, why is this wrong? This is Okay. This isn't wrong in the Constitution. This is a free country. Why is this an issue? Because it's not the way it's supposed to be. A shirt's supposed to be white. Yeah, disgusting. I had this beautiful express dress shirt that I was going to wear today, and I thought, not with that illustration. Sin is not the way it's supposed to be. Just like smearing barbecue sauce on your shirt instead of a napkin, just like wearing your shirt on inside out. I didn't like this shirt anyway, so don't worry about that. Uh, It's not the way it's supposed to, oh, disgusting. Maybe we'll hide it like this, that we don't have to look at it anymore. No, we're going to have it open. Sin's not the way it's supposed to be, and I'm going to keep saying that. 
Sin, just like doing that, is completely antithesis to the plan of God and makes me look like an idiot. So, we're going to say this together. Why don't we sin? Because sin is not the way it's supposed to be. Right. Good. Perfect. So, if sin is not the way it's supposed to be, if this is not the way it's supposed to be, what's the way it's supposed to be? Um, Well, to start, we're going to be by reading Genesis when God literally says the way it's supposed to be. Um, And this is going to give us a good crash course for this. Now, I'm not going to read. I want to go through all three chapters, but nobody has time for that. So uh, we're going to start, and I'm going to do a really quick recap. Um, Now, as we talk about Genesis, as we talk about the material creation of the world, right, um, this is not supposed to be, wow, was the earth created 6,000 years ago, or is it 6 million years ago? That's not what this is. And in fact, this is going to be a little harsh. If you come away from tonight thinking that, wow, the earth is however many billion years old, You've completely missed what we're about to talk to tonight. That's a separate conversation that some of you have questions about. You can talk to me later. What's the main point that I want to say tonight? It's not the way it's supposed to be. Good. Soon you all get it. That's perfect. So what we're going to do tonight is that we're going to start reading in Genesis 1, 1 through 31. And kind of follow me along there. Um, In these verses, we see what God is doing in five days we're going to start with is that he's creating, right? He's creating, he's ordering, he's separating. He's uh, separating day and night. He's separating the lights in the sky. He's separating water from water. God's doing, he's separating. And then he lets the earth sprout forth vegetation. He lets lights in the heavens give order. And he lets the sea and the sky team with fish and birds. And these first five days of creation, right, in Genesis, in these first five days, there are some predictable patterns. The end of every day, And like a gong on a bell, God is saying, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. And God saw that he made and saw that it was good. It's not like he didn't know that it was good, but like a king who's happy with his grain harvest or an artist who's happy she chose watercolor, God is looking out over all creation, knowing it's good. It says, and God saw that it was good. God is presiding over creation. Day six has a twist, and we have the verse up here. This is verse 27 in Genesis 1. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him. Male and female, he created them. This is different because the word that God uses to describe his making, his creating, is different. Normally it's God made, right? God made, God made. In this, it's God created. It's a different word. Notice the second thing. He created him, he created mankind in his own image, right? We're made in the image of God. We are God's image bearers on the earth. Um, Just as God is subduing and having dominion over his creation, right? If we're God's image bearers, that's what we're supposed to be doing. So we have this giant narrative sweep of God creating something from nothing, out of God creating order from chaos, beauty instead of nothingness, and light from from dark. And God is creating, and we are in his image, and we go after him. So not only do we have a perfect world and things to eat and stuff to do, we had an intimate relationship with God in whose image we were created. But what does God say of this work? He says in the next verse, it was very good. Just like in the major chord in the end of the movie or when your triceps finally come in at the gym, you know, it's finally, it's done, it's done, it's done, it's finished, it's very good. And the point, it's the way it's supposed to be. God created, you like that, God created mankind, 
God created humanity. God created our world. It's perfect. It's the way it's supposed to be. It's a place of order and beauty and light. So why does this matter, right? You're all still thinking I'm barbecue sauce on my shirt, tapped again, my cardigan. Well, you're right. But what is the deal? Why do I care about that? Let's live in Eden for a moment. This is the world God created. Let's live here. There were no weeds or stubbed toes, no bosses, no pop quizzes or teachers who don't teach to the test. Every day was a Friday. They were naked for crying out loud and having a good time. God had made for them their soulmate, right? Some of you in here are single. Some of you in here are dating. Some of you in here are married. But literally, God was like, who is the perfect person? And he made the perfect person for Adam, right? It was the way it was supposed to be. And it was so perfect that God even gave them an eject button. God was like, hey, if this isn't what you want, I'm not going to trap you here. It's not locked. Hey, there's this big, beautiful garden. You're not allowed to eat of the tree in the middle, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, like putting barbecue sauce on your shirt, like wearing your shirt inside out, why would you leave that world? This perfect world that God had designed, why would you? Well, in a word, FOMO, deception. What's the only reason that this makes sense or wear my shirt inside out to make sense? If I'm deceived, if I think to myself, maybe it feels better to wear my shirt inside out or have my hands all sticky with barbecue sauce because I put my hand in it, right? Maybe it feels better. I'm deceived. I'm thinking I'm missing out. That's the only thing that would cause me to do something that's against my benefit. Um, and so we're going to see here, we're going to read what happens for, in Adam and Eve, and this is in chapter 3. We're going to read verse 1 here. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? So we're going to stop. Look how Satan gets you here. To start the FOMO, to start the, the deception, to start that, he starts questioning the character of God. Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Now, did God actually say that? No. God said, did God say you can't eat of any tree in the garden? No. God said you can't eat of one tree in the garden, right? And so Satan's like, wow, God's starving you up in here, huh? And they're like, well, and then Eve goes up and she says, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest shall you die. Now, did God say you can't touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Oh, Bible question, huh? No, he didn't say that. He said you can't eat it. So not only does Satan make God seem to be crueler than he is, right, the um, serpent here, or then Eve makes God further away, or the command harsher than it actually is as well. And now we get the home run. Now we get Satan's final deception here in verse 4. He says, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. It's not one thing. It's not like Satan comes up to her and like, Hey, eat that fruit. And she's like, Okay. It starts with one little deception, one little uh, thing where you feel like you're being cheated on in this world. Cut, 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 cut. And then all of a sudden, that's, she goes ahead and eats it. And so just like a lack of trust can destroy any relationship today, so it did then. Eve is rocked to the core in a moment, doubting the goodness and the plan and the purpose of God, right? Why? Because she's been deceived. And just like wiping barbecue sauce on your shirt, why would you do that? 
because she's been deceived and she does that. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And uh, so she eats it and she gives some to Adam. Now let me read you what my commentary said here. The disastrous consequences of Adam's sin cannot be overemphasized, resulting in the fall of mankind, the beginning of every kind of sin, suffering, and pain, as well as physical and spiritual death for the human race. There was an exit button on this perfect world. God finally had made a perfect world and he said, this is the way it's supposed to be. And Adam and Eve together collectively took the exit button. There was, they're ruining the harmony, the plan, the purpose. All of a sudden, it's not the way it's supposed to be anymore. There's shame and guilt and lying and blame and betrayal and cursing and weeds and pain, all that, bam. Not only is this antithesis to the plan of God, it's not God's plan, it doesn't even make sense. Um, we don't understand it. Sin is not a light trifle that we do sometimes. We just think like, I'm sinning, I'm not hurting anybody. Yeah, sin is not just something that we do. Sin is a cosmic killer that has usurped joy, pain, and love of its ultimate power. And just like putting barbecue sauce in your shirt, just like wearing your shirt inside out, sin is killing you. And no one saw this more than God, but to preserve their freedom, he willingly invited into himself this pain, this heartbreak, all this because of sin. Um, sin is not a don't do this list. Sin is a why would you do this list. And as we go into hot topics, it's so important. I'm not going to do a hot topic tonight. I think this is an important like, starting point, right? We have to know what the Bible actually says about sin. And as we said in the beginning, a hot topic is when sin is what God said is sin or what the Bible says is sin goes against what culture says. But it's not that God says one thing, culture says another. That so God is telling you the truth of a sin and that sin is killing you. Um, so why do we still sin, right? If sin is all this and, wow, Christians get real angry, you know, why does he hate sin so much? Um, why do we still sin if that's the case? Well, in the same reason she did, she was deceived. We deceive ourselves into thinking that sin is going to bring something it doesn't. Remember a pastor here said, sin takes you further than you want to go, keeps you longer than you want to stay, and costs more than you want to pay, right? Sin isn't just this something that you do because it's your best, that's your best job. Sin is something that you do because you've been deceived into thinking it's going to help you. Uh, and it's a mixture of, of deception, and it's a mixture of lack of trust. Um, when we think we're going to miss out on something that God hasn't planned for us, we say, what if? You know, what if God actually wants me to do this? Or what if I do this, but God's not actually going to know? Or what doesn't matter? And, but deception will tell you why not. Like, why can't I do that? Why, why am I not allowed to do that? Why not? You know, it's, it's not that big of a deal. That's what sin says. But sin is killing you. It says in the Bible that the heart is deceitfully wicked and desperately sick. Um, so we're going to go to this Proverb 14 that says this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Now we're going to get a little philosophical here, but not too much. Seems is experiential language, right? Seems is something that feels to you. It can seem to me that this barbecue sauce feels real nice on my hands. That's not really true, right? Because if barbecue sauce were on your hands, you'd be like, this is disgusting. Okay, but it seems, it's experiential. Uh, nobody can tell me that my experience is invalid, right? I heard this recently. Uh, you can't say to some, somebody's like, well, this is what happened to me. No, it didn't. Like, nobody can tell you you didn't feel some way. That's what this proverb says. There's a way that seems right to a man. It's experiential. 
but its end is the way to death. Is is the practical part. Um, just because you feel something doesn't make it right. Um, I thought of this in the car a couple, couple months ago. Experience is not reality, but it is your reality. And that's a huge point. When we start hot topics, I think this is going to come up every week that we have to say this. Experience is not reality. Experience is not reality, but it is your reality. And what I mean by that is just because you feel some way doesn't make it true, but it doesn't mean that it's any less true for you. Does that make any sense to understand? No? Okay. Uh, it's like I just, if I feel like I'm a bird and jump off a cliff, if I really feel that way, do I feel that I'm a bird? Yes, I feel like I'm a bird. But the experiential outcome of that conclusion is going to be the same as if I were a human. Does that make sense? Because I'm not a bird, I'm a human. And we forget that. If we're Christians, we love to talk about the experience is not reality, you know, and we're like, you know, facts don't care about your feelings, and, you know, God doesn't care about what you feel, and blah, 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 you know. We, we love to hammer that in as Christians who go sometimes too far on that side. Experience is not reality. It doesn't care, you know, we get on that. And if you're unsaved, people focus on, the, but it is your reality. Hardly matters what's true. It just matters that you're being you to your fullest potential, right? And both of those outcomes have logical incomprehensibilities, right? If I say experience is not reality, you all of a sudden are the steamroller who goes ahead and doesn't care what anybody feels or thinks or acts or does, right, to your own downfall. But if you focus too much on the fact that your reality is only true, you're going to make some pretty horrible decisions as you're actually acting to yourself. So in all the topics we're going to be dealing in, keep that in mind, that sin is caused by deception, right? Just because someone feels that way doesn't make it true. Just because something is true doesn't mean it always feels that way. Um, as we do these hot, ter- hot topic sermon series, we're going to take a break, I think, for next week, and then we're going to go to the, Maya's going to teach, and I'm going to teach for two, and then Maya's going to teach again. Um, and as we do these hot topic sermon series, I want us to remember these three applications, that experience is not reality, but it is your reality. Um, then the second one, just because I feel differently doesn't mean that I don't have to obey. Just because it feels right doesn't mean it is, right? And those two things say separately, separate things. Just because I feel differently than what the God says and what the Bible says doesn't mean that I don't have to obey, right? If it comes from my feeling versus what God says, who wins that? God, right? And that's not some cutesy thing us Christians like to say that has very practical consequences for how we live our lives, Right? We all want to do things in this, in this room if you're a Christian, and you might not. Why? Because just because I feel differently than what God's saying doesn't mean that I don't have to obey what God's saying. Um, and just because it feels right doesn't mean it is. Right? And that's the other alternative. Just because something feels like it's perfect. Um, our culture has a phenomenal, it's pro- probably fascinating is a better word, like a fascinating dis- um, fascination with what the heart wants. Right? Well, the heart wants what it wants, so that's true. No, what we're saying here is the heart wants what it wants, but that's not always actually matching up to reality. And that's true in a billion examples. Just because it feels right to me doesn't mean it is. And the third thing I want us to remember from tonight is countercultural is never anti-cultural. And I need a lot of explaining on this. I've been listening to the Supreme Court trials that they've done with this judge. I'm sure all of you have been listening to that. 
Um, everyone's like, Supreme Court, you know. But um, I've been listening to that, and uh, they grill this chick with question, 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 question. I'm like, I'm going to get grilled with questions about this 10 years from now. I don't mean that we're not against culture at some times. I mean we're not against the people who are in culture sometimes. The way that we go countercultural means that we live a little differently from the world. We don't do things that are the same as what the world does, but we're not against the world. We're not against people. We're not against how they feel or their reality or their experience because um, Christianity can often find itself there where we're against what people are feeling. And uh, <clears throat> I'll say one more thing before we do the final section. Um, it's, a, it's very possible and plausible in our lives that um, as we're dealing with some of these sermons, it's going to be pretty difficult. It's going to be pretty hard. Um, and so we'll go to the next slide here. Thanks to Morgan again. But we have this anonymous question hot bar thing, if any of you guys are interested of. Um, hey, this is really a question Theo- theologically, spiritually, whatever, that's been weighing on my heart. It's a hot topic, if you will. Um, things that I don't know, it's not talked about at church. Uh, nobody I know knows how to answer it, whatever. Um, text your questions to here. We'll leave this up after we're done. But the whole point of this sermon series is going to be for us to be kind of able to dive through some of the hard parts of culture. Um, I did not do this part for fun, right? It's going to be hard. But uh, when we do these difficult things for culture um, and for understanding actually what culture is feeling, what it's doing, it's going to make us better believers. It's going to make us easier to relate to others who are saved and unsaved. And I believe it's going to help us live more according to the gospel and more according to the face of Christ. So let's pray. Uh, Dear Lord, we know that what we're going to be talking about in a couple weeks, Lord, are going to be difficult. We appreciate that your word is always the same, God, the bedrock at which we can hold ourselves to, no matter what anybody else is saying, God. And God, we know that sin is not the way it's supposed to be. It's not in the design. And we pray, God, that you would forgive us when we assume that uh, sin is the way it's supposed to be, when we doubt you, Lord, when we've deceived ourselves, when we think that sin is actually for our benefit. Um, God, these things, sin is killing us, and I just pray you'd help us have that attitude and that reality, um, that you are God, and we are not, and we trust what you're saying, God. We believe you, we believe you, we believe you. Um, we pray that you'd strengthen every heart in here tonight, and that you would convict anybody who needs to uh, send a question into that message thing tonight, Lord. Um, we love you in your son's holy name. Amen. I'm not saying it. <coughs> you're out of here. <laughs>